This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. But it's Saudi Crown who has the advantage from National Treasure. Ushbatasoro from a mile back continues to stay on. Also staying on strongly is Senor Buscador. Out in front, Saudi Crown with 150 metres to last. Still has the lead, National Treasure. Ushbatasoro late on the scene and right down the outside. Senor Buscador, the lead is taken by Ushbatasoro, but right on the line. Senor Buscador might have tipped him out. Certainly the rider thinks so, Senor Buscador and Ushbatasoro over the top of Saudi Crown and National Treasure. And those were clear from Derna Sotagake. Crown Pride was next. Now here's Bobby Newman and Bob Nastanovich. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the First Bet Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman along with Bob Nastanovich. We're here every Thursday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Great live action to bring you this afternoon, including the last few races. Yes, you heard me correctly. From Gulfstream Park, they have pushed their post times back starting this week, which is good news for us. Instead of just uh, barely getting in one race from Gulfstream Park, now we're going to get two or three on the, uh, these Thursday and Friday afternoons, and we're going to get the final three races from Gulfstream today. They're in the paddock for the seventh race, about six minutes away from post time, which means probably closer to eight or nine or minutes at Gulfstream Park. We've also got the last couple at Aqueduct on tap today and several races from down at the fairgrounds. Bob, we just heard the stretch run of the world's richest thoroughbred race, the $20 million Saudi Cup, a race that uh, has only existed since the year 2020 and a real humdinger of a finish this year, Bob, as Saudi crown Ushba Tesoro and Senor Buscador all driving down to the line, and it was Senor Buscador up in the nick of time under Junior Alvarado to get the win. Yeah, it was his turn. I mean, he, he ran a wonderful race in the Pegasus, just getting denied by National Treasure. And uh, that extremely long straight in Riyadh seemed to really help him. But just in general, that card, all the races on that card just seemed more competitive and better than in previous years. And there's some really thrilling finishes throughout the day. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about some of those other races a little bit later on. As far as the Saudi Cup goes, uh, for me personally, it was a – Good finish, not a fantastic finish. It was about a nose away from being uh, a grand <laughs> slam for me, as I really, really, really liked Ushba Tesoro. I just thought that the pace had to come back to the rest of the field, and I thought Ushba Tesoro uh, was the, would be the one who would become running the best. And let's face it, he had every chance. He didn't get out of the gate. Uh, quite as well as some of the others. And I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say that in the end cost him since he only lost by a nose or a head. But I really think he had every chance. And the fact of the matter is, is that uh, right as soon as he got the lead in the late stages away from Saudi Crown, in a blink of an eye, Senor Buscador took the lead right away from him. And he got the nose down at the right time. Uh, He's a horse who... He's had his ailments throughout the years. I think a lot of us first took note of Senor Buscador when he won the Springboard Mile at Remington Park as a two-year-old with this really eye-catching performance from well off the pace. And uh, he's just turned out to be a really, really nice, hard-knocking older horse for Todd Fincher. Oh, it's lovely that he's in training and, and good for a Junior Alvarado. Picked up, pick up, picked up them out last year and has done little wrong. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's nice to see what we would call smaller-scale connections like the Todd Fincher Barn, which generally is is uh, based in the southwest. I know they pop up 
for Del Mar and, and stuff like that. But uh, just a fantastic, cool six-year-old racehorse, the kind of horse that uh, American racing really needs. I, I did have a little bit of a backup with Ushba Tesoro running second, so it was still a it was still a positive outcome. It was a good result. Not a fantastic result, but a thrilling finish nonetheless uh, in the Saudi Cup. And it sounds like the top three finishers, uh, Senor Buscador, Ushba Tesoro, and Saudi Crown are all going to be headed to the Dubai World Cup next month, a $12 million race at Maidan. So we'll see what happens there, and we'll see what kind of other speed is in that race. I think Saudi Crown may have run the best race because he was the one who was dealing with the other speed in the Saudi Cup, and uh, everyone else melted down, and he was the only one that lasted almost all the way to the wire. We'll see if that's that kind of same kind of pace scenario when they show up in Maidan uh, later in March. Folks, download the First Bet app on your iPhone or visit first.com forward slash bet to sign up and play the races. Sign up with the promo code HRRN150. That's HRRN150, no spaces. You'll get $25 free bet when you deposit within 30 minutes of signing up, plus a 100% deposit match up to $150 on your first deposit within the first 14 days. All right, Bob, let's get out to the track. First live race of the afternoon that we're going to cover is race seven at Gulfstream Park. It's 78 degrees here in South Florida, mostly cloudy skies right now. Main track fast, turf course firm, and they are on neither the main track nor the turf for this seventh race. They are on the third track, if you will, the synthetic track at uh, Gulfstream Park. Originally a field of six, but now scratched down to four, which is not something you normally see for these synthetic track races. Five furlongs the distance. It's an allowance optional claiming event for four-year-olds and up non-winners of one other than or in for a claiming tag of $25,000. Once again, just a field of four uh, gathering for this race. Now, uh, with the big scratch of number one, if not for luck, the first bet AI is going to land on the bottom runner, number six, King Cab, who's the four-to-five favorite for Eddie Pleza Jr. and Paco Lopez. Yeah, no, there's the, you know, both the scratches are really significant in here. Bob, super success, who's just been an excellent. It's kind of a shame this race looked like a six-pack of really nice synth specialists for the most part and, and some dirt speed moving over to the synth, but some, probably some of the best uh, five furlong synth performers on the grounds at Gulfstream were entered up here, and well, we're left with a quartet, and uh, quite interestingly, um, the five-horse Treasure King and the six-king cab uh, who, like you mentioned, is odds-on at four to five. <clears throat> they appear to be, um, uh, you know, unquestionably, a, 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 an outside speed duel is almost uh, something that we can expect here. And uh, what's left for me is the four-horse drafting in behind them, famous Gent, who's been putting up good figures on the turf and ran the best race of his 40-race career on December 3rd going five and a half. So if, if, if the pace is lively enough, I think Javier Castellano for, for not, trainer Fernando Abreu was in a really good spot. It's interesting that Abreu also trains um, super success and didn't, uh, you know, you never know why he would have been scratched, but he uh, certainly has what would look to be the preferred half of that uh, pair still running. And uh, the four famous Jen, I think, ought to sit a pretty nice trip in here. Are you intimating there's a chance that Abreu entered both to make the race go, knowing that there was he was going to take super success out? 
It wouldn't be the first time it's happened, Bob, as you know. And, uh, <laughs> and um, but I mean, super success is, you know, he also loves the synth. And, you know, so, I mean, in the stables in wonderful form, 25%. He had Tyler Gaffleone uh, booked. Uh, the horse won a $35,000 claimer December 28th. Maybe in the form uh, that he's in right now, super speedy, an eight-year-old Ontario bred. He doesn't want to lose him for 25. Um, but, uh, you know, rarely, of course, do we see eight-year-olds get claimed for that sort of tag. But uh, he might have been live at the claim box. All right. They are uh, still kind of wandering around on the main track and need to get over to the synthetic track before they get to the starting gate for race number seven. I can tell you this. So I don't know if you want to read anything into it. Uh, the early scratches today, the, the scratches that came out first this morning, included number three, Super Success. It was not till later in the day that number one, if not for luck, came out of the race. So don't know if something happened uh, veterinarian-wise with if not for luck, uh, that he was not allowed to run or something happened to him this morning. Or maybe it's very possible they found a uh, spot they like better than this. But he was 3-1 to one on the morning line. He would have vied for favoritism in this. So I, I wouldn't think it would be finding a better spot. I'm saying that uh, uh, something was not all kosher with if not for luck, and that's why mm. uh, he came out of this race. He was riding a two-race win streak coming into this race today. So they have now made their way onto the synthetic track at Gulfstream Park where they will get ready for the seventh race. Of course, they've got one of their banner cards of the meet coming up this Saturday, Bob. It is Fountain of Youth Day at Gulfstream Park. Last year, there was $36 million bet on the Fountain of Youth card. I'm going to say there's a chance of there being more than that this year because they won't have to go against their brother or sister track, whatever you will, in Santa Anita. Santa Anita's not going to run on Saturday. We'll have more about that. But uh, Fountain of Youth Day is Saturday. Supposed to have beautiful weather here in South Florida. Probably the third on the hierarchy of big days of racing at Gulfstream Park. Florida Derby, probably number one. Pegasus has probably become number two. And Fountain of Youth Day, maybe number three. And uh, eight graded stakes on the Saturday card at Gulfstream Park. Here's Pete Aiello with race seven. And they're off. From the rail, Nichiren gets the first call and goes looking for the lead, but King Cab has something to say about that, and King Cab and Paco now front and center to take the lead. Nichiren is back to second from Treasure King in third. The gray famous Jet finds himself a long way behind, while last of the four, three and a half furlongs from home. King Cab struts his stuff around the far turn. He's three lengths in front. Nietzsche in second. Treasure King third. Famous Gent is fourth as they have five sixteenths remaining. King Cab, the son of Noble Bird. He's so quick early. We'll see if he can finish the job. He's three in front of Nietzsche and in second. Famous Gent ponders an inside lane and is up into third. Dropping back to last is Treasure King and they're at the top of the stretch. King Cab wheels for home on top. Famous Gent tries to take up the slack toward the rail. Nietzsche on the stand side. King Cab, he's getting a bit tired on the top. End. Here comes Nietzscheren surging to him. Nietzscheren on the outside of King Cab. Nietzscheren's getting up. King Cab right alongside. Nietzscheren and King Cab. Here's the wire. King Cab held. King Cab found a little extra and he turned Nietzscheren away with famous gent third. Treasure King's fourth. 55 and three. 
A rare mistake by our good friend Pete Aiello yeah. as he said that Nietzscheen was getting up, and he never did get up. In fact, number six, King Cab, held all the way to the wire and odds of even money and gets the job done in race number seven, six, two, four, the unofficial top three, Bob. Yeah, no, uh, King Cab, a uh, really remarkable horse in nine of his last 11 races now. He's been well clear after our first call, so it breaks from the gate extremely well and has great early speed and is it just me or is Paco Lopez riding uh, is as well or better than ever? And Paco sort of gets a bad rap from a lot of horse players. A lot of people, uh, you know, uh, um, some people quite frankly think he think he's a bit of a dirty rider. But uh, he's just having a fantastic meet at Gulfstream Park. And uh, that was a, a great ride on the front end, uh, doling out his speed and having just enough, finding, finding enough in the last 70 yards to get the win. I think we meet, need more videos of Paco Lopez getting into fights outside the jocks room. <laughs> I mean, that would be good. Yeah, it's always entertaining. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had one of those in, you know, at least a year and a half, too, something like that. 55-3, uh, and three, by the way, the uh, running time for the five furlongs on the synthetic track, 6-2-4-5, order of finish in the seventh race at Gulfstream Park. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Folks, it's tournament season at first. And the next big one is the Ultimate Betting Challenge this coming Saturday, March 2nd. Ultimate Betting Challenge, or UBC for short, features every race at Gulfstream Park on Fountain of Youth Day, giving players 14 chances to hit big and boost their bankroll. Buy-in for $6,000, 5000 of which is your bankroll, and compete against players from around the country for massive cash prizes and NHC seats. First, we'll seed four NHC seats to the prize pool, and all cash entry fees will be distributed back as prizes. At 150 players, that's $150,000 in cash prizes, plus those four NHC seats. Play in the UBC on-site at Gulfstream or Santa Anita, or jump online with ExpressBet. Head over to expressbet.com forward slash tournaments for more information and to register to play. All right, so back to what's going on at Santa Anita. Uh, They are expecting rain tomorrow night and all day Saturday, and the powers that be at Santa Anita have made the decision to run Saturday's Big Cap program on Sunday instead, and the card that would normally have gone this Sunday is going to be pushed back to Monday. So there will be live racing at Santa Anita Sunday and Monday these uh this weekend not saturday and sunday my understanding is that santa anita will still be open for simulcasting so if you're in southern california or uh you had plans to go to big cap day on saturday like some of us did uh and are still interested in watching the races from Gulfstream or the big uh card from aqueduct with the gotham and the tom fool and there's even uh great racing at turfway park on saturday I think you can still watch and wager on all the action at Santa Anita. You're just not going to get any live action Saturday as it's supposed to rain all day. It's not going to be torrential rain. It's just rain. And they think that the weather is supposed to be better on Sunday and maybe a better chance of some turf racing on Sunday where there would have been no chance on Saturday. Uh, So that's uh, the decision that was made as of uh, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, earlier today. So that is that. Meanwhile, uh, Bob and I are still going to talk about uh, all of the big, big cap day races, uh, the stakes rather, as part of our weekend stakes preview tomorrow night from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. So many stakes we had to cut some about. 
this week, Bob. We are going to cover all four of the graded stakes at Santa Anita. We're going to cover the two graded stakes on Saturday at Aqueduct, and we'll cover six of the eight, the six biggest of the eight, if you will, of the graded stakes on that huge fountain of youth card at Gulfstream Park. I have uh, started handicapping already. Fun races all day. Man, that fountain of youth, we thought that the Risen Star was the best field of three-year-olds that we had seen thus far. I'm going to say that the fountain of youth has uh, eclipsed it as far as best three-year-old stake race of 2024 thus far. Wow. Uh, Dornock, the full brother to Mage, uh, tries to uh, – he's back. He won the Remsen, of course. Uh, he'll be in there and locked. Uh, any word on where fierceness – with the plans on fierceness, Bob? Yeah, I think they're sticking to their original plan where they were going to run in the Holy Bull, run in the, Fou- uh, in the Florida Derby, and then go to the Kentucky Derby. So he's going to be back basically the end of March and uh, perhaps face off against some of the horses that we're going to see this Saturday in the Fountain Youth. Speaking of locked, um, he's going to be one of the favorites in the Fountain of Youth. Our good friends over at First Bet have uh, given us their AI for the Preakness Future Wager Pool number 1, which is up, and they have locked as their top selection for the Preakness. In fact, their top four are locked, mooth, Mystic Dan and Conquest Warrior, and I don't think it's a it's a giant shock that Locked might be on top. He is certainly one of the favorites, even going into the Kentucky Derby. What's amazing to me is that Nisos is not in their top four. If he were in a race against Locked, Muth, Mystic Dan, or Conquest <laughs> Warrior now, he would be heavily favored. He's going to be a gigantic favorite Sunday in the San Felipe, and of course, he's not eligible to run in the Kentucky Derby, which in my mind makes him even more of a chance of being a contestant in the Preakness. You know, a horse like Locked, if he doesn't win the Kentucky Derby, Todd Pletcher has shown this over the years, uh, if his horses that run in the Derby and don't win the Derby don't run back in the Preakness. They, they'll, you know, come back five weeks later in the Belmont, something like that. So if you're going to bet Locked, at a shortish price in the Preakness future pool, you might as well bet him to win the Kentucky Derby as well because I think that's the only way he'd run in the Preakness. And when does the pool close? Do you have that's any idea? damn good question, my friend. Yeah, because, I, I mean, say you got, you'd have Sunday. to. I want to say have... it's this Sunday. And then pool number two usually starts about a week or 10 days before the Derby and ends like 45 minutes to post for the Kentucky Derby. So they don't let you get see they don't let you see who wins the Derby for before making the bet. We could talk more about that a little bit later, but we need to get over to Fairgrounds. 60 degrees, cloudy skies, fast and firm conditions, race number 5 on the card at Fairgrounds. So they're running a little bit behind here. The fifth race was, a lot of it was supposed to be a half an hour ago. This is kind yeah. of bonus coverage. It's a mi- about a mile on the turf. Uh, an optional claiming allowance event for Louisiana-bred four-year-olds and up non-winners of one other than or in for a claiming tag of $12,500. Any opinions in this race, Bob? Yeah, Tonteria, the eight-horse, uh, jock switch, uh, Corey Lannery's off, Florent Giroux's on, and uh, has run well on the turf. On this turf course, uh, jumps up in class a little bit, but uh, I like him at a nice price, 5-1, to one, the eight. All right, he goes into the gate right now, waiting for a few of the also-eligibles. Uh, to go into the gate, including Charlie G and a fleet ascent. Once again, they're running about a half hour behind schedule at Fairgrounds, so bonus coverage of race five in New Orleans. Here's John Dooley.
and Zeroff. 12 the inside, Me Solution broke smartly. Knock a little louder in the line with a purple cap going forward. Relentless Dancer follows, and on the outside, a fleet descent will need to get position. It's knock a little louder to the early lead for Mitchell Morrow out to the stretch from sharp starting Me Solution. And then Relentless Dancer and on the outside, a fleet descent corners wide. They have just over six furlongs to run. Single shot the gray and outside that is Charlie G with the black cap, Teal Sash, racing three clear from a settled guitar tuition, please, who's three in front of Tonteria. And Florent Giroux running for a hat trick after Tonteria toward the inside is Snakebit and Smarty Alex has dropped back to trail the field in back of an opening quarter in 24.04 seconds at the half-mile pole. Let's knock a little louder. Knock a little louder at the head of affairs. Leads me solution who tracks there for Jose Rodriguez. Relentless dancer of fleet descent, third and fourth. Single shot in fifth. Charlie G is sixth. A gap then to guitar tuition, please. Purple with the gold sleeves. Outside that, Tonteria. The trailers remain smarty. Alex and Snakebit has dropped back to last. Half mile in 48.78 seconds at 22 to 1. Knock a little louder as me solution is coming up now to engage. Knock a little louder in these two as they swing for the quarter pole. And then Relentless Dancer in the white cap. Single shot looks to gain toward the inside. A fleet descent in the white blinkers. Tonteria is next. Then Smarty Alex in the orange cap. They're deep in the final furlong and a half. It's Me Solution. Me Solution has fought hard and has taken a short lead from Knock a Little Louder, who's not going down without a fight past the 16th. It's Me Solution. Knock a little louder toward the inside. Tonteria threw into third. Relentless Dancer's fourth. Me Solution gets the result by two. Pulled away late from Knock a Little Louder. Tontaria ran on. And then Relentless Dancer with Smarty Alex of Fleet Descent. Guitar tuition, please. Single shot. They were next across. Unofficially 3, 9, 8, 11 in the fifth race at Fairgrounds. The favorite number three, Me Solution. Hard-fought win under Jose Rodriguez gets the job done in race number five. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get your prices at Gulfstream and Fairgrounds. We'll head out to Aqueduct for coverage of their seventh race, just coming on the track with about five minutes to post. First bet racing show on HRRN. Today, more than six million Americans are living with Alzheimer's and more than 11 million family members and friends serve as their caregivers. While researchers are working tirelessly to end Alzheimer's and all other dementia, the number of people living with Alzheimer's is expected to more than double by 2050. The toll of the disease is monumental and its devastation affects family, friends, and especially caregivers. No one should face Alzheimer's and dementia by themselves. If you or someone you know is struggling to provide care to a loved one, Please share this message. You are not alone. Free help and resources are available 24-7. To talk with an expert and obtain disease-related information, care and support services, call 800-272-3900 or visit the Alzheimer's Association website at alz.org. You are not alone. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A Teenager. Learning the Lingo. Today, I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, 
rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Free health care. Hundreds to more than $1,000 per month in disability compensation and tens of thousands for college tuition. These are just some of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs benefits that may be available to veterans. VA is focused on customer service like never before. Choose VA and see why veterans' trust in VA reached an all-time high. Claim the benefits you've earned at choose.va.gov. HRRN is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows. HRRN is home to racing's biggest events. And our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net radio.net you're listening to the first bet racing show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. There goes Timberlake and the wind star white. He's caught about four wide off the turn. Jess Steele going to be deep at the top of the lane. He's five wide off the turn. And Common Defense trying to slip through down at the rail. He's going to find the narrowest of openings. Timberlake on the outside roars to the front. Common Defense trying to pull off the upset. And Northern Flame Timberlake drifting to the center of the track. But he's clear coming on Common Defense. But Timberlake's going to do it. And Timberlake and Chris. Christian Torres win the Rebel by two in a nice effort to kick off his three-year-old season. Common defense was second, Northern Flame third, photo for fourth. Matt Dirtman on the call of last Saturday's Grade 2 Rebel at Oaklawn Park, won by the favorite Timberlake. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Welcome back to the First Bet Racing Show. Off to Aqueduct we go. 40 degrees, mostly sunny, but windy conditions. Track is fast for race seven, an optional claiming starter allowance event here, or rather an optional claiming allowance event for three-year-old fillies going a one-turn mile. Bob, scratch number seven, Allie's song. Seven to five favorite right now is number three, Run for Your Honey. First bet AI says number four, Progeny, has a big chance. Interesting. Yeah, you can't argue with Run for Your Honey's uh, form. Uh, it's won two in a row. I mean, blew apart a... a a field of maiden claiming 30 uh, horses on November 24th, and then parlayed that run with a huge effort, winning by a nose uh, against uh, State Breads. Just a really tough filly, certainly in form, and this is a, her best set of circumstances. I'm going to take a little bit of a shot with a Michael Pino train, Diane's Merlot, shipping up from Parks. By the way, the race that Run for Your Honey went, ran last time was a mile on a track labeled fast in 149 flat. Yikes. How is a track fast if they go 149 for a mile? <laughs> Here's Chris Griffin with the seventh. And they're off. Speed from Tiz Race Day down towards the inside. That's the gray. It's Tiz Race Day up on the far outside. Diane's Merlot and in between horses now trying to push on through. Here comes Progeny with early speed as well. Handle on you is right there, very tightly bunched here as they get set to come out of the chute. And behind them, there's Grace Reformed and Splitting Rivals is a run for your honey. Also there is next on stage and only about two and a half would cover them all. Down to the inside, it's Tiz Race Day and still out in the center of the racetrack comes Progeny. They're now 1-2 and they have... Put away Diane's Merlot, who's now half a length back there in third. Run for your honey. Manny Franco in fourth, in between rivals here and at the rail that's next on stage. 
That's the leading five that went 23-4 and four for the opening quarter mile. Handle on you, and Jose Gomez is now shoved along, moving towards the outside. Behind that one is Grace Reform, still tightly bunched as they work into the far turn. 48 seconds flat for that half-mile time, and here comes a run from Progeny. Still right there to the inside. It's Tiz Race Day. They are head and head, and just off of them, next on stage. Has now found the seam, and next on stage. And Luis Rivera Jr., they're on the move from third. Dropping back, run for your honey. He's traveling well at the backstretch, but needs to find more right there. Also down towards the inside of that one, trying to run on as Grace Reformed as they get set to reach the top of the stretch. Hugging that rail is the gray. It's Tiz Race Day. Tiz Race Day and Progeny, they still go at it. Next on stage has not caught the top duo yet. Grace Reformed from the back of the pack and Handle on You is commencing a rally too. It's Progeny who's in front. Progeny now taking second is next on stage. A little green, but making up ground is Handle on You. Progeny for less than a final 16th. Here comes down towards the inside next on stage. Progeny gutting it out. Progeny. Progeny gets the victory. Progeny over next on stage. Handle on you and Grace Reformed. And one minute, 41.38 seconds. Another win for the first bet AI. Number four, Progeny gutting out the win for the team of George Weaver and Eric Cancel covering the mile in 141 and 1. 4156, the unofficial top four. Back to what I was talking about as they went into the gate, Bob. So run for your honey, who didn't run a very good race at all this afternoon, and obviously uh, much lesser effort than what we saw from from her in her previous tries. She won going a mile on a track labeled fast January 19th in 1 minute 49 seconds flat. She won by a nose. The top two were about nine clear of the rest of the field. I don't know what it is. They just don't do it in this country anymore. They they never label tracks slow or heavy. There's just no possible way that a track can be quote-unquote fast and a race in New York be run that slowly. You know, I mean, basically in that they, case. They had, they had races probably at the Meadowlands that night going a mile that went faster than that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, they they, they uh, routinely go in 146 and 147 over there. But, uh, no, I think basically the rule of law here with track condition is if it's if it's dry, then it's called fast. And, I mean, to me, that race that we just saw right there, that looked like a stamina-sapping surface. Uh, they didn't go very fast at all. And uh, Progeny, kind of interestingly, is bred for a mile and stretched out from a sprint distance to the one mile. She's out of an AP Indy mare. And she seemed to really enjoy the uh, added ground for uh, George Weaver and Eric Cancel. So a uh, great pick from uh, First Bet. And uh, 5 to 2, the final price on Progeny. Folks, test your handicapping skills this Saturday with the First Bet Fountain of Youth Day $25,000 Exactathon. This loaded prize will be split two ways. Twenty grand hit and split among all players who make winning exacta bets on at least six different races at Gulfstream Saturday, plus a $5,000 bonus to the player or players who hit the most exactas on the card. Speaking of Gulfstream Park, we owe some prices, Bob, from the seventh race today at Gulfstream. One in wire-to-wire fashion by number six, King Cab, a five-year-old chestnut gelding by Noble Bird out of the Trippy Mare. A lot of appeal. Owned by David Mellon, Leon Elman, and Lori Pleza. Eddie Pleza Jr. trains Paco Lopez, the rider. Yes, King Cab making the transition from the main track to the synth track. No problem at all. Paid $4 to win, two sixty to place. The two-horse Nakiron paid 3 to place. $1 exact to six two six ten. No try, no super in the four-horse field. 
over at Fairgrounds. Uh, they're running behind schedule. We thought we were going to bring you races six through nine today on the card. It turns out we're going to bring you races five through eight instead. And the fifth race on the card was won by the favorite number three, Me Solution, a five-year-old Bay Gelding by Real Solution out of the Twilight Agenda, Mayor Me Isabella, owned by South Central Stables and trained by Keith Bourgeois. Jose Rodriguez in the irons. Yeah, me solution got hammered at the windows, especially late. Paid three forty to win, two eighty to place, two twenty to show, knock a little ladder, a long shot, fourteen sixty to place, seven eighty to show. And Tonteria took a long time for her to get uh, organized, uh, but fired pretty well in the end, was gaining at the wire, paid three sixty to show. The one dog's act of three nine, twenty three fifty, the fifty cent try, three nine eight. $51 in a nickel. And the $1 Super 39811, $679.40. Prices are in for Aqueduct. We'll get you those in just a couple of minutes. They're just coming onto the track now for the eighth race at Gulfstream Park. It says four minutes to post. It's probably closer to about eight or nine minutes to post. So will <laughs> we have, well, well, it just is what it is. That's it is. Uh, you know, I am. I'm not. It's not a. It sounds like a snarky comment. It's just I've read the past performances. This is what happens, and not to mention the fact that they need to get onto the turf course, and they probably couldn't get to the starting gate on the turf course within four minutes if they ran over there right now. So uh, we've got a little bit of time before this eighth race at Gulfstream Park. As we came out of the most recent break, Bob, we heard the stretch run of the Grade Two 1.25 million dollar Rebel Stakes run this past Saturday at Oaklawn Park, one of uh, several stakes on that Saturday card at Oaklawn. And uh, this race, in addition to having a huge purse, uh, offered a lot of Kentucky Derby qualifying points. All eyes were on the Into Mischief Colt Timberlake. He was already a grade one winner capturing the champagne last year as a two-year-old in New York and uh, was coming off a fourth-place finish in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile the last time we saw him. Uh, he had the class. It looked like speed figure-wise. He laid over the field, and guess what? He laid over the field. He was bet down to 4-5, to five, stalked the pace from a few lengths back early on, took command going past the quarter pole to the top of the stretch, drew away to win by two over a, a couple of nice long shots for trainer Kenny McPeak in common defense and northern flame. Final time for the mile in a 16th on a fast track was 144 flat. Off that win, trainer Brad Cox has said that Timberlake uh, will likely go in either the Arkansas Derby or the Bluegrass Stakes for his next start. Uh, a lot of people thought Timberlake was supposed to win last Saturday, Bob, uh, and he did. Were you impressed with his victory? Well, first of all, I was impressed with his appearance. He certainly looks the part. He's a really handsome, powerful uh, colt. Um, obviously very well bred, has a lot of uh, delightful stamina influences in the female side of his pedigree. Sadler's Wells uh, is the uh, sire of his second dam. Um, yeah, I think he did everything right. I mean, he was, it, to me, when a horse runs that greenly, and he, he drifted out in the direction of the, uh, of the crowd coming down the stretch, I'm not really sure what distracted him. Uh, but even with that display of greenness, to me that indicates that there's probably more improvement to come. Uh, I mean, he did beat what I would call a field, you know, subpar renewal of the Rebel. <clears throat> Obviously no no Bafferts in there. Um, it, you know, it, he was easily uh, the the standout horse on paper and in the race. And I think if you're a fan of Timberlake going forward, he's improved from two to three, and he's a pretty exciting prospect. 
All right, I don't know what to make of that race. I thought he laid over the field going in. It's not like he won by six. He won by two, which I think is probably what a horse who's four to five, what a lot of people thought he was going to do. Uh, but nonetheless, he looked professional in doing it. And uh, as you mentioned, Bob, there's no reason that he can't get better You know, going forward. That was just his first start of his 2024 three-year-old season. And uh, we'll look for him next in either the Arkansas Derby or the Bluegrass. By the way, uh, he got 50 points as far as the Kentucky Derby qualifying goes. And, uh, yeah, that uh, points that he picked up for finishing fourth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, he is he, – he can do whatever he wants right now. And when I say he can do whatever he wants, the connections of Timberlake can do whatever they want, uh, whether it's Windstar Farm or trainer Brad Cox, because he's in the Kentucky Derby if that's where they want to be. Uh, he certainly has enough points right now. So a lot of options. They're not forced to, you know, dive in and make points like maybe some of these other horses are. He's got enough points. He, just like Sierra Leone with winning the the Risen Star a few weeks ago, they've got their 50-plus points. They're in the Kentucky Derby right as of right now, no matter what they decide to do between now and the first Saturday of May. Uh, over at Gulfstream Park, they are uh, – I, I guess they're getting closer to the starting <laughs> gate. I don't even really know if they are getting closer to the starting gate. They're still on the dirt, I can tell you that, with zero minutes to post. Uh, with the eighth race on the card is seven and a half furlongs on the turf. Maiden three-year-olds here uh, running for a big purse of $89,000. The purses have gone up, at least for this weekend, over at Gulfstream Park. We've got a field of nine gathering for this race, Bob. Top selection according to the first bet AI. Well, it's close. Number one, uh, CoinVest. Number nine, the man up front. Uh, uh, both the same on top as far as the first bet AI. A big difference in the prices, though. Four to five on uh, number one, uh, Coin. Uh, I should say it's CoinVest, not CoinVest. CoinVest, four to five on that one, and seven to one on the nine, the man up front. Yeah, no, I mean, Co-invest is the kind of horse that's always going to take a huge amount of money. It's Irad Ortiz, Todd Pletcher, $1.1 million uh, yearling, uh, St. Elias Stable, Repoli, and West Point. I mean, uh, was bet heavily in his debut on January 20th here, ran a good race, just got run down going a mile and a 16th by Royal Majesty, turns back from a mile and a 16th to, to seven and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, he just on paper, he looks like the kind of horse that would definitely be over bet. Um, you know, he could easily win, obviously. Um, it's interesting that Repley, uh runs a Sir Tour in here uh, for the George Weaver Barn. Uh, he co-owns this horse with R.A. Hill Stable. <clears throat> Weaver won the last race, um, so his stable's in very good form. He's batting about 20% down there. Kind of interesting that the son of McLean's music out of a Tis Wonderful Mare debuts on the turf. Um, I gave Oscar Worthy a long look, the four, and that's going to be my pick. And he's live on the board, too. He's just got, he just got bet from 7-2 to two to 5-2 to two in the last couple of minutes. He's a really well-bred son of Oscar performance out of a City Zip Mare. Brian Lynch, as we've mentioned several times on this program, is just having a wonderful meet at Gulfstream. He's 30%, 18 for 61 uh, when he hooks up with Johnny V, who rides Oscar Worthy, they're three three for ten the last sixty days. Um, that race that he he um, ran in first time out January twenty eighth, he got beat two and a quarter. He broke from the inside over over course and distance seven seven and a half on the turf. 
And I think he'll like the added ground. He, get, he got a terrible start. He got bumped at the start, broke from the inside, which is always seems to be a nightmare draw for first-time starters. Still ran pretty well and has worked well since. So I think uh, you get a little bit of value on him. He's 5-2 uh, to two as they cross over to the synth. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings and the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. All right, the horses have made their way across the synthetic track onto the turf for the eighth race at Gulfstream Park, where the favorite remains number one, co-invest for Todd Pletcher and Irad Ortiz coming off that narrow defeat while battling all the way around the racetrack in his debut. Very big effort first time out. Fans seem to think if he repeats that race or improves even a little bit off of it, he's going to be tough to beat. As Bob mentioned, number four, Oscar Worthy is also coming off a good effort in his lone start. It was at this seven-and-a-half furlong distance, and uh, he did not get out of the gate that cleanly, recovered, actually made some ground uh, around the turn and down the lane. Uh, It looks like uh, a horse that has every right to improve, just like the one Co-Invest does, but you get a little bit of a better price on the four Oscar Worthy. And third choice remains the other first bet AI selection, if you will. Number nine, the man up front who has had a whole lot of chances for trainer Bo Yates. 0 for 7 already in this one's career. He's a horse that uh, has a whole lot of speed. And uh, just there ends up always being one, two, sometimes three runners who outrun him in the last furlong or so. We'll see if he's able to get the lead from the outside post or if he may duke it out with number one co-invest, who looks like he's got an odd natural speed as well. Should be a fun edition of this eighth race. A lot of different ways you can go in this maiden three-year-old affair. Turf is firm. Beautiful day here in South Florida. Pete Aiello has the call. And they're off. On the far outside, the man up front wins the break and tries to clear the inside traffic from Oscar Worthy, who gets away in second and ducks over to the fence. Out in the center, live high, live low into the top flight. In between horses goes Puckster, and wide on the course is hanging in there. Back at the inside, it's Co-Invest third last, second last to Surter. The early trailer is Agape Mo. And they run around the first turn, Luis Saez and the man up front, clear by two. Oscar Worthy is on the chase from second. Hanging in there is on the outside of joint third. Co-Invest is the favorite in the green colors toward the rail fourth. Down at the inside, Puckster tries to sneak through an arrow opening in front of Hanging in there and Live High, Live Low with Asserter on the outside. And Agape Mu is still at the back. They went 23-4 and four for the opening quarter as they race to the half-mile point. It's still the man up front. He settled into a nice rhythm with half a mile remaining as he went a half mile in 48 seconds flat and leads by two. Oscar Worthy. Velasquez getting after him to try to launch a bid as this leader tries to brave it up. From third, that's hanging in there. Fourth and still ridden with some confidence as Co-Invest. Outside fifth is a surter with a quarter of a mile left to go. The man up front. He still has the lead. Oscar Worthy trying to put his mind to business. Co-Invest is toward the rail. On the outside, it's hanging in there. They straighten for the drive. Eighth of a mile to go. Speaking of 
of hanging in there. The man up front, he still is. Cohen Vest tries to go get him. Final 16th of a mile. The man up front is almost home. Cohen Vest is out of time. The man up front, indeed. Second was Cohen Vest. Oscar Worthy ran third and 128 and three. Unofficially 9-1-4 in the eighth race at Gulfstream Park. Big difference for the man up front today. The rider changed to Luis Saez far and away the most accomplished rider that has ever been on the back of the man up front. The man up front broke on top, cleared the field easily, Bob, set very modest fractions of uh, 24 and 48, and just had plenty left to hold on for the win. Yeah, no, outstanding ride, and uh, second try on the turf, obviously likes it. I was kind of intrigued in this race. There's two sons of uh, Cole Front, the seven live high, live low, that Red, uh, Paul Redham owns, and the man up front. And I was I was thinking about Cole Front as a turf sire, and I looked at his pedigree, and he, he's he's pretty turfy. So a horse, you know, is by Stay Thirsty, who I don't really think is being a big turf influence, but uh, apparently he's going to be a, a versatile sire uh, maybe in the mode of, like, uh, Cairo Prince. Over at Fairground, sixth race on the card is getting close to the gate, a mile and 70 yards on the fast main track. It's a $20,000 claiming event for four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of two races lifetime or three-year-olds that could have won as many races as they want. Uh, once again, a mile <laughs> and 70 yards. That, well, that's what it is. Yeah. It's for three-year-olds or four-year-olds. They've just ridden the conditions backwards. It should say for three-year-olds or Four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of two races lifetime. Uh, field of nine gathering in this race, and uh, hard to figure who's actually going to be favored at post time. Got a couple seven-to-two shots, a four-to-one, a nine-to-two, and a five-to-one shot in this race. Bob, first bet AI gives a very slight nod to number two, First Class Harlow. Yeah, I, I, quite frankly, this um, even for this level, uh, this is kind of a shocking race. I mean, it basically looks like a, a a bunch of uh, very slow horses, um, several who can win. Uh, kind of interesting here that uh, Kahala, uh, who's been bet from a 10-to-1 morning line down to 7-to-2, uh, to trained by Alexis Clare, claimed last time off of Mike Stidham by Alexis Clare, and she's 25%, a pretty big sample, two fifty-six runners. She's 25% first off the claim. This one switches from mud to a fast track. We'll have to completely reverse its form. And I gave a slight, slight nod to first class Harlow, uh, dropping to a career low, uh, turf to dirt. Uh, and Ricky Corville, uh, a pretty successful trainer in Louisiana for a while, and he's had a, he's had a tough start to the meet. Looks like uh, he dropped first class Harlow in here, hoping to get a win. All right, horses are at the gate. Just a few left to load for this sixth race at Fairgrounds. Waiting on the four, Kahala going in, and number nine, Southside. John Dooley has the call. For the gate. And they're off. Path to success got squeezed back. First Class Harlow broke sharp along with Luke, and right there is Tarashak as he gots to go. His three wide as they enter the first turn. It's First Class Harlow. First Class Harlow to the early lead for C.J. McMahon with Luke in the white cap. On the outside, he gots to go, and Tarashak running in fourth. 
And then comes Kahala, who's making progress as they go to the back. Jace Holiday in the red silks. Southside worked over to a ground-saving position there by Corey Lannery with five furlongs to go. Then comes Path to Success, who is squeezed back at the start and catching drama trails. The opening quarter in 24.38 seconds at the four and a half. It's First Class Harlow. Mitchell Morrill has Luke close in tow. First Class Harlow, Luke there, one, two. As Kahala gains toward the inside, on the outside, he gots to go will be wide both turns. And Jace Holiday comes probing up the rail there while racing three clear from Path to Success. Then Southside, Catch and Drama, and Tarashak now trails. The half mile in 48.45 seconds. First Class Harlow, but now with inside three to go. First Class Harlow, Luke has been right there. Kahala a steady gain. And here's Kahala making three path progress. Jace Holiday with the rail, Path to Success wide. Then comes Southside, who's been saving ground as they straighten away past the quarter pole. Three quarters, one minute 14. 0.08 seconds. Kahala charging hard for Jaime Torres. It's Kahala who hits the front past the eighth pole. Slightly lugging in as Kahala kept to the task. Luke is right there battling on. First class Harlow in tight quarters. Now is third. Then a late bit on the outside by path to success. They're close to home. It's Kahala and Jaime Torres. Kahala. Kahala home by a length and a half to Luke. Third was close. First class Harlow. A nose with path to success. Looks like four, seven, and a show photo between numbers two and five. Number four, Kahala getting the job done. Wouldn't be surprised, Bob, if they take a look at the stretch run. You heard it there in the call from John Dooley. Kahala was trying to get in down the stretch. Somewhere late in the game, number two, first class Harlow, stepped on the brakes inside of two other runners. Don't know if that was because of the four, but I would think the stewards would at least look at it. We will get back to you on this, let you know if anything changes. We need to get uh, you the prices, though, from over in New York, where the seventh race on the card was won by the first bet AI selection, number four, Progeny, a three-year-old Bay Philly by Golden Sense out of the AP Indy Mare Cabbage Key, owned by Thoroughbred Acquisition Group and trained by George Weaver with jockey Eric Kensell. Yes, great pick by first bet AI. Progeny paid seven thirty to win, four seventy to place, four dollars to show. Next on stage, the one six fifty to place, five ten to show. And the long shot handle on you, six forty to show. The one dollar exact of four one twenty dollars and fifty cents. The fifty cent try four one five forty nine eighty seven. And the one dollar superfecta four one five six four hundred and twenty two dollars even. All right. So far, they're not looking at that sixth race at Fairground. Still unofficial four seven two five. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get you paid at Gulfstream. We'll sort out what's going on at Fairgrounds. We'll get back out to Aqueduct. Horses in the paddock for race eight with just seven minutes to post there. This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to or hit rewind. Like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh-oh. Or that time you forgot to roll up your windows in the car wash. Fantastic. Yeah, a remote control would have come in handy then. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Life doesn't come with a remote control. So you're on your own with the wasps. 
you have the power to take control of prediabetes. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking you questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick and proud aunt. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing. But not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. One in six. That little girl sitting alone at the playground, she can't play like the other kids. She doesn't have the energy because she's hungry. School lunch will be her only meal today. It breaks my heart that this is the reality in our country, but it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. This food is then provided to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about using your imagination, learning, and having fun. These children shouldn't have to miss out on simply being a kid because they're hungry. To find out how you can help end childhood hunger in your community, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Trainer Talk, presented by Phasing Tipton. Please join me in welcoming Hall of Fame trainer Todd Fletcher. Hall of Fame trainer Nick Zito on Trainer Talk. Welcome Hall of Famer Bob Baffert to the program. Hall of Fame trainer Shug McGahee, nice enough to spend some time with us. Hall of Fame trainer Bill Mott here on Trainer Talk. Dual Hall of Fame trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer Talk, the biggest names in horse racing. Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. At the top of the home run, it is Ben Tornato and Bookham Dano, forever young at this stage. He's flat. He's got three lengths still to find. 300 meters to do it as Bookham Dano moves through to lead for Irad Ortiz, now forever young, but belatedly beginning to pick up. Bookham Dano needs the line now as forever young surges on the outside. Bookham Dano, forever young, is coming. Bookham Dano all out. Forever young dives and may have got it in the final bound. Forever Young and Bookham Dano could go either way here. Bentonato back in third place. Bookham Dano paddling late. Forever Young took an age to get going, but in the final bound, may just have got up. That was the call of the stretch run of the $1.5 million Saudi Derby this past Saturday at the King Abdulaziz race course in Riyadh, South, uh, South, uh, Saudi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Saudi Arabia, and uh, good, uh, very exciting finish there with the undefeated Japan-based runner uh, Forever Young just getting up and beating the uh, local hope of Bookham Dano in the final strides. Welcome back to the First Bet Racing Show here on HRRN. We'll talk more about the Saudi Derby in just a little bit. Uh, Folks, the first racing tour has stops on both the East and West Coast this weekend. What better way to celebrate with your share of $10,000 in bonus cash? Earn your piece of the pie when you hit the late pick four at Santa Anita this Sunday, Big Cap Day. The card is loaded with stakes races, so this is one day of racing you don't 
want to miss. Uh, we will get you prices at Gulfstream and Fairgrounds in just a few minutes, but we need to get out to Aqueduct first because they're getting close to post time, Bob, for the eighth and final race on the card. Uh, one turn mile once again for this eighth race. It's an allowance event for New York bred four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of one other then. Scratch numbers three, eight, and nine. So we're down to a field of six now in this race. And uh, even money favorite in the race is number seven, Lightman, for the trainer of the team of Bruce Levine and Manny Franco. Uh, some big scratches in this race, including number nine, Dr. Kraft, uh, who would have been the top choice of the first bet AI. Uh, Lightman, despite being now 6-5 to five in the wagering, is not the top choice of the first bet AI. That distinction goes to number two, Safalo's Mission. Yeah, the, it's it's kind of an interesting race. I mean, a Lightman's kind of a exciting prospect here. He's by Central Baker out of a Freud mare, so he should be aided by the added distance. He ran uh, pretty well in the mud here, January 27th, sealed mud. Chased uh, Bach Boy Al that day, and the uh, horse that finished third there, Kaz Sugar Bank, came back and won. So it's looking like a pretty key uh, state bred allowance race. Uh, Manny Franco doesn't ride many for Bruce Levine, uh, stays aboard. I'm surprised that Clever Forever is the second choice in here, but uh, he's only won one of seven. It's Todd Pletcher and Kendra Carmouche who, who really do well as a tandem. Uh, I think it's really between those two. I thought that Thank You, John, was a significant scratch uh, from the Linda Rice barn. Uh, she claimed that one off of uh, Dick Dutro last time. I was looking forward to seeing him run. But uh, I think, you know, sort of by default, I'm, I'm going to select Light Man. I think he'll like the added distance. All right, and right now, 6-5 to five, as they arrive at the starting gate at Aqueduct. Looks like a beautiful day in New York. It's just cold and windy. I mean, 40 degrees with 20-mile-an-hour winds sounds like you don't want to be wearing shorts or tank tops <laughs> outside. But, uh, I mean, sunny skies right now. And listen, I guess, you know, it could be worse. It's not snowing. It's not uh, pouring down rain. It's a nice day other than being a little bit on the nippy side. And you can see it with the assistant starters there uh, behind the gate as they are uh, bundled up as much as they can be bundled up. And they've got you know, uh, gear over their ears in, in addition to wearing parkas. And it's a, you know, it's a cold time to be uh, standing outside for many, many minutes. But uh, they're uh, just about done as the final few horses are going into the starting gate for this eighth and final race on the Thursday card at the Big A. Of course, they have a huge card of racing this Saturday, highlighted by the Gotham, a points qualifier on the road to this year's Kentucky Derby. Here's Chris Griffin with the eighth. to the outside. White man. Lightman with speed on the far outside. It's Lightman right to the front. Safalo's mission is trying to join this leader, and out wider is going to be clever forever. That's the leading trio just in behind them. That's Provision, who's taken back, is going to end up being the trailer as they come out of the chute with Doc Advantage. Also moving forward there with Noble Huntsman, tightly bunched. Spread apart, though, as they work up the backstretch now. 
Lightman's got the lead. Many Franco and Lightman at even money. Right here towards the inside now, splitting rivals in the two-pass. Safalo's mission has gotten that stalking position just off the pace setter, 24.50 for the opening quarter mile. Three wide is going to be Kendra Carmouche, and clever forever as they work up the backstretch. Then four wide, that's Doc Advantage. Provisions under a tight hold here at the rail for Jose Gomez. The trailer is Noble Huntsman. They get set to reach. A half mile left to go, and to the inside still it's Lightman. The even money favorite is fending him off so far. 48-1 for that half mile time. Here ready to pounce is Safalo's mission, and Jose Lescano... Every shot here from second. Three wide is clever forever with more momentum in the red cap. Out wider still dock advantage from the back. Trying to rally on Noble Huntsman. Provision is the trailer. Three of them across the racetrack, but Lightman still got the lead. It's Lightman in front. Safalo's mission with every shot up alongside. Clever forever stalling just a touch here as they reach the top of the stretch. Lightman is still holding him off. Safalo's mission has been within a neck of the leader throughout. Clever forever is rallying on up on the outside. Noble Huntsman is just making hard work of it. Now here's Clever Forever trying to push on by. Safalos Mission still in between horses, and Lightman's still there. These three down the line, noses to the wire, down at the inside. Lightman will gut it out. It looks like Lightman and Clever Forever in that tight photo. Safalos Mission finished third in 1 minute 40.38 seconds. Wow, real humdinger of a stretch run there, Bob, between the three favorites, and I think the favorite, number seven, Lightman somehow fended off both Safalo's mission and Clever Forever to gut out the win. Boy, he sure is tough because it looked like he was going to finish third, beating about two at the 16th pole, but he kept on grinding away and, uh, you know, dead aim for the uh, two on his outside. You know, I was sure at, at one stage that the uh, Albert Freed, remember, I remember those silks back from the Affirm Success days, the fantastic horse he had. I thought he was going to get by and win. Uh, Safalo's mission, no shame and defeat there, really gutsy effort by the Linda Rice trainee that stayed in the race. All right, we owe you some prices from both Gulfstream Park and from Fairgrounds. Over at Gulfstream Park, First Bet AI came up with number nine, the man up front, and he came up with a wire-to-wire -wire win. Three-year-old Bay Colt by Cole Front out of the Concerto Mare. The Lady Said No, owned by Shady Brook Farm and Pam Klein, trained by Bo Yates with Luis Saez. Yeah, we've seen two races at Gulfstream today and two outstanding front-end rides. Uh, first from Paco Lopez, this time from one of the best in the business, Luis Saez, uh, paid fourteen eighty to win, the man up front. four twenty to place, two eighty to show. Co-invest favored and uh, really ran a good race uh, obviously his turn is coming soon he paid 240 to place 210 to show oscar worthy decent effort 280 to show one dollar exact to nine one fourteen dollars ten cents the 50 cent try nine one four nineteen twenty the one dollar super nine one four eight four hundred and fifty three dollars and eighty cents over at fairgrounds no inquiry or objection to the running of the sixth race and the official winner, number four, Kahala, a four-year-old bay gelding by Broken Vow out of the Colonel John Mercarula, owned by Alexis Clare Racing Services and trained by Alexis Clare with jockey Jaime Torres. Yeah, a, a running advertisement for the Alexis Clare stable. This horse was 10 to 1 in the morning line. She's now over 25% first off the claim. She's a, a former stable foreman for Brendan Walsh. She went out on her own in 2021 and has done very well. Kahala, a really good effort. 
paid 680 to win, 440 to place, 280 to show. Luke from the Hartman Barn, 480 to place, $4 to show. And first class Harlow ran out of gas there inside the eighth pole, paid 280 to show. The $1 exacta, 472160. The 50 cent try, 472, $34.85. And the $1 superfecta, 4725, $300.80. Okay, um, it says we have three minutes to post for the finale <laughs> at Gulfstream. So we'll, we'll just go with the theory that there's about eight minutes to post there, which gives us time, Bob, to talk a little bit about the Saudi Derby, uh, one of the undercard races on the Saudi Cup card. It's not a points qualifier on the road to the Kentucky Derby, but it could be an important race. And I'd like your opinion because I actually have a strong opinion of this race. What happened in the race was uh, you had two American-based runners in Ben Tornado and Bookham Dano, uh, who were the third and second choices perspe- uh, respectively in the wagering behind an undefeated Japanese-based runner in Forever Young, who was uh, heavily bet in the, as the four-to-five favorite, I believe, uh, in the Saudi Derby. And when they turned for home, Ben Tornado had a clear lead. Derek Ryan's Bookham Dano, who got a perfect trip, uh, stalked him, went on by easily, and drew off to what looked like was going to be uh, an easy win while the undefeated Japanese-based runner Forever Young was kind of laboring in third. You heard it there in the call. Uh, but lo and behold, he kicked it into gear in the late stages. They ended up noses apart. Reminded me kind of like the photo finish with Personal Ensign and winning colors in the 88 Breeders' Cup Distaff where they were far apart from each other on the line. You couldn't really tell right away if Personal Ensign got up. That was kind of the way it was with Forever Young. But Forever Young nipping Bookham Dano in the late stages uh, to get the prize. Looks like both of them are going to go back to Dubai and run in the UAE Derby, which is a points qualifier for the Kentucky Derby, with the winner getting 100 points and the runner-up getting 50 points, basically saying that the top two finishers in the UAE Derby will qualify for the Kentucky Derby. What were your thoughts on the Saudi Derby? Well, I mean, first of all, Bookham Dano, who I loved in the race, of course, you had the the painstaking wincing moment with Ushba Tesoro a few hours la- uh, later in the Saudi Cup. Uh, Bookham Dano was I was I was just all over him. Loved the price, loved everything about it. Loved how the race uh, took shape. Thought I was going to win, and you know, forever young. One mile doesn't seem uh, sufficient, uh, so he really sort of proved his quality in this race by somehow getting up. I mean, he kept coming, never switched leads. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the likes of Senor Buscador and Forever Young do over in Dubai because Maidan, compared compared to Riyadh, seems to generally favor uh, horses that race on or near near the lead on the on the dirt, and uh, both of them are uh, look like late swoopers. I, I've watched a couple of Forever Young's Japanese races, and uh, I think he's pretty versatile. And I think he, going forward, he's another horse that looks like he ought to relish 10 furlongs. So hopefully we'll get him in the Kentucky Derby. All right. So originally when I watched this race, I was thinking, ah, oh, this Forever Young, he's just not as good as they're making him out to be. I mean, he was good enough to win. But, I mean, let's face it, he beat a horse who won a minor stake at Tampa Bay Downs, albeit very easily. And he beat a, a Florida bred that's been beating Florida breds in stake races. So I don't, you know, it's... It, you know, it doesn't sound very like a gigantic win for him, and he got up and won by a nose. But the, I, I think I'm going to look at it glass half full with him. I agree with you that 
he wants more than a mile. He looked to me like he hated it out there uh, running in the Saudi Derby. I don't know if it was that racetrack or he just didn't feel like running, but he, he was doing nothing the entire race, and he was on his wrong lead the entire way, you know, the last three furlongs of the race. And despite all of that, and, you know, Bookham Dano is not a horse who's shown that he stops in the stretch. You know, he looked like he was long gone. Despite all of that, he was able to track down at, at least a pretty good horse, maybe not a great horse, but a pretty good horse in Bookham Dano while on the wrong lead, not getting enough distance, and probably not even enjoying himself or really firing his best shot, and he was still able to get up. I think this is a serious horse. I think he's capable of a lot better than what we saw in the Saudi Derby. I don't know what that means for the UAE Derby. Obviously, each race is each race, but I think he's a legitimate Kentucky Derby type of a horse. He's a horse with a lot of quality. Yeah, I think both he and Timberlake are, and I think that, you know, you said everything right. He he didn't look comfortable out there. Nothing seemed to go his way. He was, you know, pretty far behind. He had an incredible uh, amount of ground to make up. And But he, you know, the most important thing over an insufficient distance is he showed his quality. I mean, you know, the fact that he got up, and, you know, Derek Ryan's not the kind of guy that brags on his horses. I've never heard him uh, speak uh, more highly of a horse going into a race than Bookham Dana going into that uh, into the Saudi Derby. And he, and he ran in a bang-up race. He just he just got beat by, by a better horse. All right, they're at the gate for the ninth at Gulfstream. Final race on the Thursday card. Six furlongs on the main track. $35,000 the claiming tag. These are four-year-olds and up. Uh, that are non-winners of three races lifetime or non-winners of a race since last August 29th. Scratch numbers two and eight, just a field of six here. First bet AI says you got to look at a long shot. Number one, Cajun Brother, who is nine to one right now on the board. couple of them vying for favoritism, Bob, are number five, Celestial Glaze for Luis Saez and trainer Dan Hurtak. Uh, also a few other ones in here. Last few are going in. We're not really going to have a lot of chance to talk about this race. Ninth and final at Gulfstream. We'll hand it over to Pete Aiello for the rest of the load and the call. And runners away. From the far outside, Payzone was away quickly and reaches out for the early lead. Splitting horses is real talk. Cajun Brother moving out the rail. Then it's a gap of another two to the trio at the back. Magical Warriors, Celestial Glaze, and float on. And the run to the half-mile point, it's now Payzone doing battle with Cajun Brother on the top end. They're heads apart. They've gone two and a half better than Real Talk. Magical Warrior moving to his outside. Paired off at the back are Celestial Glaze and float on. They won an opening quarter in 22 seconds flat as they round the far turn. Payzone on the outside, Cajun Brother along the rail. These two continue to spar. They're two better than Real Talk, who starts to gain some ground again while third. Fourth is Magical Warrior. Celestial Glaze is hard at work while three wide, and Float On is at the back. They move past the quarter-mile mark and swing in. They went 45 seconds flat for the opening half-mile. The leader is Cajun Brother on top by two, ducking to the inside. Celestial Glaze tries to get a rally together. Back to third, it's Payzone. Zone. There's an eighth of a mile to go. Cajun Brother game on the top end and still finding plenty. Celestial Glaze has rallied to second with Payzone on his outside. Cajun Brother driven out. Cajun Brother in front. Celestial Glaze second. Payzone third. Close for fourth in one ten and one.
Wow, the first bet AI strikes again, this time with a nice price. What a kind of late action is this, Bob? A number one Cajun brother who goes on to the win, battles all the way around the track, puts away the other speed, goes on to win. Unofficial order of finish, one five seven nine to one as they went into the starting gate, nine to two. Last click on number one Cajun brother. Don't like to complain when we win. That's a big difference. Yeah, considering there's a lot of money in the pools there, that's that's a major swing. And uh, you know, he's now five for fifteen at Gulfstream, so he loves it around there. But uh, kind of a form reversal. Um, got B five lengths. Uh, did get bumped at the start last time on February seventh, and a huge effort on a Gulfstream surface that uh, tends to favor speed, but really seems to right now. All right. Uh, once again, those are races. Those are race. Uh, those results unofficial. We'll get you the prices in just a little bit. Speaking of prices, we have prices for the finale at Aqueduct, where the favorite number seven, Lightman, got the win. A four-year-old bay gelding by Central Banker out of the Freud mare So and So, owned by Mick Rich Stables and trained by Bruce Levine with Manny Franco. Very exciting race. Uh, Lightman is extremely tough to hold off. Clever Forever and Safalo's mission in there. He paid. 420 to win, 280 to place, 210 to show. Clever Forever, 370, 220. Safalo's Mission, the two paid 210 to show. The $1 exacta, 75, $7.70. The 50 cent try, 752, 650. And the $1 super, super 7521, $52.20. Over at Fairgrounds, they're just about three or four minutes away from post time for the seventh race on their card. If you weren't with us earlier, they're running about a half hour behind schedule at Fairgrounds. And to be honest, I have no idea why. Uh, it's not bad weather, so maybe they had an inquiry. Maybe they had an incident at the track. Maybe they had some sort of a tote or a starting gate problem. Whatever it was, uh, the seventh race, which was supposed to go at about... 3.45 Central Time is now going at about 4.15 Central Time, and they've been about a half hour delayed since we have started covering their races this afternoon. So this seventh race, the about distance of a mile and a 16th on the firm turf course, maiden three-year-olds in for a $30,000 claiming tag, scratch numbers three and four, still a big field of 10 going to post in this race, Bob. First bet, AI and the betters. Think number nine, gotta keep them, is where you want your money. Three to one on the morning line, but eight to five for Eddie Keneally and Ben Curtis. Yeah, he brings the best form uh, in terms of PPs into the race, but he hasn't hit the board in four tries. So it's hard to get too excited about him. I, I kind of look at the four horse in here by the sword, a first-time starter who's really well-bred. He's by curling out of Rock Jasmine. Uh, which makes him the uh, uh, half to a multiple stakes winner called Crimson Front. Brendan Walsh trains. The fact he's in for thirty thousand dollars first time out, you got to view that as a negative. I mean, you know, you'd, you'd think with that pedigree and that purchase price of two hundred fifty thousand dollars that he'd be in against straight maidens. So, to me, that's a negative. I'm going to give another shot. I bet on this horse last time, and, and he didn't run a step. And that's the three Dream Crews who drops from straight maidens into maiden claiming 30 for Wayne Catalano. And that's a son of a stern out of a really good turf mare called Sing One Song. She's a good producer, too. Drops and Jimmy Graham stays. Has a nice little maintenance work. And I think that you'll see a, a much improved performance from the three Dream Crews. All right. Horses are circling Ooh, on scratched. the main track. 
Go yeah. ahead. I, I believe I'm scratched. You are. The three and the four are scratched. Oh, okay. Yeah, and those are the two I talked about. Whoa, they must be late scratches. And I have no idea. I mean, a half hour is a long time to be running behind, Bob. I mean, that, that you know, some, like you said, there must have been something highly unusual. But, uh, yeah, in that case, I find this race uh, entirely unbettable. Um, I mean, Bree's mission looks like a plotter. That's the second choice in here for Kenny McPeak and Brian Hernandez, who, of course, win a lot of races together. Uh, by Noble Mission out of a master craftsman mare. Should love the turf, but uh, doesn't look like a very uh, a very fast horse in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so maybe sort of by default, you've got to go to uh, everything pointing in the direction of got to keep them to not only hit the board for the first time, but to actually win a race. All right, so 6 to 5, the price right now on number 9 got to keep him to get the job done second choice is number 10 breeze mission for kenny mcpeak and brian hernandez kenny mcpeak was a guest of ours last friday here on hrrn we had him here on friday also had him saturday on the equine forum and uh, he said that he thought that his three-year-olds were going to run big in the rebel and they did were big enough to beat timberlake but running second and third at huge prices were his uh, runners in the Rebel, and those McPeak three-year-olds are uh, really firing on all cylinders right now. We'll see if he can keep them going and have a big shot when it comes down to the first Saturday in May. We'll find out who's going to win this seventh race at Fairgrounds very shortly as they arrived at the starting gate now and have started the loading process uh, for this about a mile and a 16th distance. Once again, maiden three-year-olds in for a claiming tag of $30,000, which I think... This time of year is the bottom at the fairgrounds as far as maiden three-year-olds on the turf go. They may run lower than that on the dirt, but I think as far as turf racing goes, this is the bottom as far as the maiden three-year-olds go this time of year. And they are they are loading in with number nine. Got to keep him remaining the favorite in this race. Um, I'll tell you, over at Gulfstream, they have gone official for their finale, so we'll get you those prices in just a little bit but back here to the fairgrounds uh just a few left to load uh, gotta keep him has gone in settled into stall uh to stall nine but uh post position number seven as it were the 11 strong diamond is in number 12 free drop rob will complete the line we'll hand it off to john g dooley for the rest of the load and the call free drop rob aubrey green in place of kylie wellington with our thoughts to Kylie. They're in the gate. And they're off. And between horses, Dustin the Diamond, Right there is Howard's Grit, and toward the inside, the Plains Marshal, another one that's forward as they make their way toward the first turn with Jose Guerrero. It's Howard's Grit. Howard's Grit has taken a short lead from the Plains Marshal with the rail. These two have kicked away as they make their way into the first turn from Dustin the Diamond with Free Drop Rob running in fourth. Then toward the inside, saving ground is Sharp Spark in fifth, and they have just over six furlongs to run. Got to keep them as sixth in between horses with, on the outside, Strong Diamond, who's three wide as they go up the back of the course. Breeze Mission the Gray is racing outside of Storm Force with the rail, and the first-time starter, Rainbow Man, has drifted back to 10th and last. The opening quarter in 23.39 seconds, and now for Seraphin Carmona. The Plains Marshal, the Maryland-bred front runner at 47-1. to 1. The Plains Marshal out in front. Leads here 
Howard's grit by five as they head toward the far turn. 12 lengths back to Dustin the Diamond running in third, a length and a half to free drop Rob in fourth. Then toward the inside is Sharp Spark in fifth. Got to keep him as sixth. Storm Force in seventh. Then on the outside is Strong Diamond in eighth. Breeze Mission between horses. And the one well back is Rainbow Man. It's the Plains Marshal. Half mile 47.82. The Plains Marshal at these long odds carries a 10 length lead for home. It's the Plains Marshal who strains away in front from Dustin the Diamond. Got to keep him circling on the far outside with free drop Rob and in between horses Sharp Spark with a white cap. Three quarters and one minute, 13.30 seconds. It's the Plains Marshal. The Plains Marshal, stamina slipping away. Here comes Dustin the Diamond, who swept past now for Jose Raquelme. Breeze Mission is staying on with Gotta Keep Him. Sharp Spark is fifth. Free Drop Rob is sixth. It's Dustin the Diamond. Dustin the Diamond, one by four. Breeze Mission gains second. Gotta Keep Him third. Then the Plains Marshal, Sharp Spark, and Free Drop Rob. Seventh time the charm for number seven, Dustin the Diamond, comes rolling by in final 16th. Wins going away, final order of finish, 7-10-9 in the seventh race at Fairgrounds. Dustin the Diamond for Jose Raquelme and jockey Keith DeSormo. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we owe you prices at Gulfstream. We'll get you paid at Fairgrounds. Look back on some more big races from last weekend. Tell you about some stuff coming up uh, in the future. First Bet Racing Show, HRRN. Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. Can always find people who are helping. Thank you to all the first responders who put their lives in danger to help us when my brothers and sisters need them. We look out for the helpers because they look out for us. Learn how you can help first responders by texting BRAVE to 24365. In honor of all those we've lost to cancer and those still fighting and thriving, like basketball analyst and cancer champion Dick Vitale. I want to beat cancer. I'm going to beat it. That's no doubt in my mind. I'm going to win this battle. Defeating cancer will take all of us. Join our team to help fund game-changing research that saves lives. At the V Foundation, V is for victory over cancer. V is for victory over the odds. V is for victory over health disparities. Victory over setbacks. Victory over the unknown. V is for victory over giving up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Donate to the V Foundation to join our team and help save lives. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart. And it cannot touch my soul. 100% of donations fund game-changing cancer research. Donate now to the V Foundation at V.org. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. 
Don't miss the Equine Forum every Saturday from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on HRRN. Mike Penna brings you the latest in thoroughbred racing, featuring interviews with trainers, jockeys, owners, and other racing insiders. Plus, exclusive segments you won't hear anywhere else. The Equine Forum, the show that launched a network. Saturdays, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. The inside determined driver's got a little bit of run, though. Another four lengths back, kissed by an angel. He's given way. Perfectly wicked on the outside of that one, and Shaman's Girl saving ground into the stretch. Miss Harriet has to kick on for the final furlong and a half by Jamie Rodriguez. They've got a three-length advantage on determined driver. Ronan got us driven to the far outside, past the furlong marker. Miss Harriet, Miss Harriet's digging down as the gray filly. Miss Harriet, Miss Harriet in front, and holding sway from determined driver to win it by three parts of a length in the wide country. Running Goddess was third, perfectly wicked, fourth. That was the good doctor, Dr. Dave, Dave Rodman on the call of the wide country, one of two stakes this past Saturday at Laurel, won by Miss Harriet. Very impressively, welcome back to the First Bed Racing Show here on HRRN. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich here every Thursday with you from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time as we lead into our call-in show, which is every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. We'll get you the phone number to call in just a little bit. Starts about 35 minutes from now. James Scully joins me for your hour HRRN Nation to call in and talk about whatever you'd like in the world of thoroughbred racing. Folks, you're feeling lucky. First Bet is back with another installment of the First Bet $20,000 Sweepstakes Series. Earn entries for every wager you make from March 1st through March 31st to win a $1,000 betting voucher. Get bonus entries on weekdays and on first tracks. Ten runner-up winners get a $500 betting voucher. Another 100 third prize winners will earn $100 betting vouchers. You can't win if you don't opt in, so load up your first bet account and start wagering. As I mentioned in the promo, you get bonus entries on weekdays and on first tracks. That's going to be important this week as Santa Anita has altered their racing schedule, Bob. For those of you who weren't listening earlier, they're expecting rain basically tomorrow night and all through Saturday at Santa Anita. So the huge big cap card, which was scheduled for this Saturday, March 2nd, has now been pushed back to Sunday, March 3rd. And the races that would normally have been run this coming Sunday are going to be run on Monday. Long story short, instead of running Saturday and Sunday, they're running Sunday and Monday this week. And if you're playing in that sweepstakes series, that uh, Monday card at Santa Anita qualifies for uh, bonus entries because you're playing a first bet track and you're playing races on weekdays. Uh, They are supposed to have better weather Sunday than Saturday, Bob. I will say this. I'm I'm not I I, I don't I'm not thrilled with the changing of uh, big days like this. Uh, I realize that California is a little bit of a different animal, if you will, with the (laughs) rules and regulations that the California Horse Racing Board has out there. Um, Listen, I I grew up in Southern California. I have been to the track many, many times at both Santa Anita and Hollywood Park when they were sloppy and off the turf. Uh, you know, certainly not as much as maybe some people on the, who or live on the East Coast, um, but a lot of times. And now, uh, you know, they just uh, the 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 thought of rain. Unfortunately, they they 
you know, throw their hands in the air and wave them like they just don't care kind of a thing. And, um, <laughs> and that's what's going on. And, uh, what I, you know, they are going to get a bigger crowd locally on Sunday at Santa Anita than they would have had Saturday. You know, it just makes sense that, you know, it's going to be raining all day Saturday. It's not going to be raining Sunday. There's more better chance of people coming out. But you're possibly losing some of the audience that bets Santa Anita not from being at Santa Anita. The, you know, the people, the intrastate, if you will, and interstate people, the the other folks in California or the people that are just betting elsewhere that maybe, you know, bet on Saturdays and don't bet on Sundays, you know, bought are buying PPs because, you know, Saturday was supposed to be a day where Santa Anita had four big stakes and Gulfstream has eight big stakes and Aqueduct's got four stakes and Turfway's got stakes. And, you know, not all of the people who play Saturdays are going to play Sundays. It's really a... You know, uh, it's a tough call that they had to make out there. Yeah, we've got 12 graded stakes on the weekend preview, uh, preview show, which we haven't had that in a while. So that's that's great to see. And you'll have to wait until uh, Monday, you say. Monday, they're going to run at Santa Anita? Well, they're going to run the big cap card on Sunday. But then whatever the races are that uh, would okay. normally have been drawn for Sunday are Sunday, now going to be pushed back to Monday. They're, they're going to have a rare Monday racing card at Santa Anita, and then, you know, one of their, if maybe not the, I don't know if it's the biggest day of the season, but one of them, opening day, December 26th, has turned into a gigantic day, and obviously oh, yeah. Santa Anita Derby Day is a big day. Big Cap Day has always been a marquee event at Santa Anita, and uh, this year, under strange circumstances, it's going to be run on a Sunday instead of on a Saturday, but uh, whatever. They're going to have good racing. It's just going to be a little bit of a – it's just going to be a day late, and we're going to see uh, one of the top three-year-olds in the country yeah, running the San Felipe Stakes. Mm-hmm. Just a field of five, but the undefeated Nisos is Three going to be running Sunday in the, uh, in the San Felipe. Uh, all right, it's time now for the Blood Horse News Update and a look at the top headlines from bloodhorse.com. Longtime maker assistant Ramsey starts training career. After spending close to a decade as the top assistant for decorated trainer Mike Maker, a winner of more than 3,300 races and $163 million in purse earnings, Nolan Ramsey is striking out on his own. A 27-year-old native of Lexington, Ramsey is the grandson of prominent owner and breeder Ken Ramsey. Nolan Ramsey said the move is effective May 1st. Quote, I've talked to Mike. And given him my notice, we're going to see him through the winter meet here at Gulfstream and through the end of April, Ramsey said. This spring would have been nine years for him full-time. I worked for him in grade school and in high school, walking hots, doing stuff for him. So I've been in his barn for a long time. It's always been in the back of my mind. I always wanted to train a couple of winners of my own. I've got some things pushing me to do it now, one being my family. My grandfather's not getting any younger. I'd sure like to win some races for the family before it's too late. He added, the timing of it is right now. That wraps up this afternoon's edition of the Blood Horse News Update. Follow the road to the Kentucky Derby, plus have the latest racing, breeding, sales, and industry news and analysis, plus entries, results, race race replay videos, and more at your fingertips with the Blood Horse Daily app for your phone updated throughout the day or delivered daily in an email. Both are free. Blood Horse Daily has the largest reach of any industry electronic newsletter or app. Go to bloodhorse.com forward slash daily to download the app or sign up now. 
certainly going to be following the career of Nolan Ramsey closely. Obviously, as he's been learning from Mike Maker over the last decade or so, uh, he's somebody who should be very well-schooled. I hate to say this, Bob, but it's just my snarky, glass-half-empty attitude. I can only say when I see that he's going to be training horses for his grandfather, Ken Ramsey, uh, is the client going to have to pay in advance? Well, let's keep it in the family, but uh, yeah, no, uh, I believe that most of Ramsey's horses these days are uh, reside in Safi Joseph's barn, and then there's uh, at least the ones that uh, run at the fairgrounds are trained uh, by Robertino Diodoro, so um, I guess they're going, I mean, they obviously have huge amounts of horses, both trainers, but it looks like they're going to lose the Ramsey ones, and uh Right now, as far as I know, off the top of my head, Ramsey doesn't really have any superstars, but it sure is nice for a young trainer to start out uh, with at least, you know, a dozen or so horses to train. So uh, I don't know him personally, but uh, good luck, Nolan. You know, it must have been a weird dynamic because in addition to the lawsuits that were going back and forth between Wesley Ward and uh, owner Ken Ramsey, I think there was a point where Mike Maker was suing Ken Ramsey for uh, monies owed, and it sounds like it was, mm. you know, part of the time that the grandson Nolan Ramsey was working mm. for Mike Maker. So that must have been an awkwardness <laughs> in the barn a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, like he shows up one day. Listen, Mike, I, I'm sorry that my grandfather decided that he just doesn't feel like paying <laughs> you or anything, but that's not going to affect how I, uh, you know, work for you. And, uh, you know, all joking aside, I mean, obviously it's a weirdo situation, but it did happen at that same time. And uh, we wish nothing but the best of luck for Nolan Ramsey going forward. We'll see what kind of horses uh, he gets when he starts his career on May the 1st. We owe some prices at both Gulfstream and Fairgrounds. Ninth and final on the Thursday card at Gulfstream was uh, a good pick by the first bet AI. Number one, Cajun Brother, a seven-year-old chestnut gelding by Cajun Breeze out of the Strong Hope Mare, Bella Caprizi, owned by Jeff Lambert and Larry Buckendorf, trained by Bob Hess Jr. with jockey Jorge Ruiz. Speed on any surface at Gulfstream's holding up and uh, outstanding pick by First Bet AI. And a nice payoff, uh, 1180 to win, 440 to play, $3 to show, Celestial Gaze, 32240. Pay zone, three dollars even. The one dollar exacto one five fifteen dollars and ten cents. The fifty cent try of one five seven forty three forty five. And the one dollar superfecta one five seven four two hundred and seven dollars and ninety cents. Over at Fairgrounds, results of their seventh race have gone official, and number seven, Dustin the Diamond, dusted the field. Three-year-old Bay Gelding by Texas Red out of the Langfear Mare Boom Boom Dynamite. Owned by Brad Allshouse and trained by Keith DeSormo with Jose Raquelme. Yeah, I actually saw this horse run in his first lifetime race at Colonial Downs. And he ran a good race that day. He ran second, and he, he I think he finished, yeah, he finished third on the Fairgrounds turf course. So he had some of the best form in this week maiden, 30, maiden claiming 30 race going into the race. And a great ride by Raquelme. Uh, reeled in the uh, runaway leader there, and uh, Dustin the Diamond paid a very handsome twenty-one forty to win, eight dollars to place, three dollars to show. Breeze Mc Emission picked up second from the McPeak Barn, four sixty two twenty. Gotta keep him two ten. A very disappointing effort. Uh, looked like a live chance for him to win the race, 
and uh, didn't really uh, perform well at all. One dollar exact is seven ten forty nine even. Fifty cent try seven ten nine forty four thirty. The one dollar super seven ten nine five eight hundred and fifty seven twenty. What did uh, McPeak say about the plans for uh, Mystic Dan? I missed that uh, that call the other day. Uh, Mystic Dan, I guess uh, when the when there was some foul weather. Uh, they had to alter his work pattern, but they said that he is most likely headed to the Arkansas Derby. Okay. I think that's a $2 million race, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah 1.2 for the race, Rebel. I think every race at Oakland Park is a million dollars this morning. <laughs> I wish. I can tell you this much. The Arkansas-bred maiden claiming races aren't because that's where my horses run. Well, you got to run where you have a chance to win, so we'll, Damn, we'll yeah, be yeah. rooting for you this weekend, my friend. Uh, wanna want to get back to fairgrounds in a few minutes because Bob's first bet of the day is coming up in the eighth race, and they're about six or seven minutes away from post time. Before we do, want to remind everybody, tickets for the 41st running of the Breeders' Cup World Championships to be held November 1st and 2nd at historic Del Mar in Del Mar, California will go on sale Monday, April 22nd. Fans can sign up to receive ticket information online at breederscup.com forward slash 2024. The 2024 World Championships will feature 14 grade one races and $31 million in purses and awards as fans from around the globe gather to celebrate the world's best horses, jockeys, and trainers competing over two days in racing's most spectacular international showcase. Located on the shores of the Pacific Ocean in San Diego County, Del Mar is unique in its picturesque natural backdrop. While the surrounding area attracts visitors from around the world in pursuit of top-class racing, beautiful beaches, award-winning cuisine, and boutique hotels. Breeders' Cup Experiences is the official ticket, hospitality, and travel package provider for the 2024 Breeders' Cup World Championships at Del Mar. Fans can visit the Breeders' Cup Experiences website as well. Go to breederscupexperiences.com for more information. All right, let's get back to live racing. And the final live race that we are going to cover today will be the eighth race at Fairgrounds. And they're just about four minutes away for this race, Bob. Six furlongs on the main track. It's an allowance event for four-year-olds and up, non-winners of one other than. Field of eight going to post in here. All the money coming in on number two, uh, number five, Champlin. Five to, two on the, five to two on the morning line coming off a resounding maiden win. Even money right now on the board. Solid pick of the betters. Solid pick of the first bet AI. I know you love somebody in here. Where are we going? I hate to say it because Champlin was 5-2 to two in the morning line, and I was hoping to get – I thought 5-2 to two was stealing. Um, but uh, interesting stories about this horse. First of all, he's by Ransom the Moon, of course, uh, was a fantastic sprinter for Phil D'Amato. I think one back-to-back uh, Bing Crosby's at uh, Del Mar – uh, Greg Foley trains Mitchell Merle um, uh, uh, rides. Um, could not. In fact, they've uh, they've got a really good partnership going. I believe that just started at this meet at Fairgrounds. They're four for ten, Foley and Mitchell. Um, this horse uh, is a really, really great-looking, uh, strong uh, gray gelding. Didn't start till he was four, but uh, boy, was he impressive in his debut. I mean, he, he really... Uh, was thoroughly professional, broke on top, and just extended his advantage and wasn't asked by Merle to win by f- <clears throat> five. And uh, his dam, now I know, was trained by Donnie Von Hemel. 
And I remember when she was training at Prairie Meadows. She ended up winning six out of seven. She won a stakes at Oaklawn. She won the Delta Princess back when that was a million-dollar race. And Perry Compton rode her. And one day she worked from the gate, and I was clocking. <clears throat> and uh, she worked a half mile and 46, and she was a teeny little chestnut filly. And uh, Perry Compton, uh, I talked to him about five minutes later, and he, he said, show me the watch. And I just I showed him the stopwatch. And uh, and he he said, this filly right here is the reason why I'm 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 still riding, and uh, it's lovely to see that uh, she's uh, worked out as a broodmare, and she looks like she has a really uh, nice uh, son, and and sort of in her mold. She was really really fast. She carried her speed a mile in the Delta Princess, but uh, he just looked awesome in his debut. And uh, I know even money is a is a short price, especially for a first bet of the day, but. Uh, at even money, I'll make a bet, but I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't bet. Uh, you know, first time against winners is always a very, very big ass, Bob. But I think that if th- this horse did everything uh, so nicely uh, in his debut that I wouldn't be surprised if he backed it up. And he's been working. Uh, he hasn't worked since the race, but uh, he just he just seems like a really nice ho- horse to follow. All right, so even money for Bob's first bet of the day, also first bet AI, also obviously the betters who are playing this eighth race at fairgrounds. Everyone seems to think number five, Champlin, off that huge maiden win in his career debut is going to be tough to beat again. Don't know what, I always want to, curious to what the story is when horses don't debut until they're four and in some cases five years old. You know, what What happened to Champlin that uh, he was not able to make it to the races at ages two or three. And I don't know if if this is your way of thinking, but uh, I've mentioned this several times. Uh, The older the horse is for his or her debut, the more I think that they are going to fire their best shot first time out. And my thinking, Bob, I don't know if it's correct or not, but my thinking is that, let's face it, when Champlin shows up in January as a four-year-old, you know, there's there's less time to say, well, we're, we're going to let him have one, let him learn what he's doing before we, you know, run him next time or stretch him out. Of, you know, you, you've already run out of basically a year and a half of racing time for a lot of horses. And I think when they debut when they're four and, you know, sometimes even five, they're, they're going to fire big first time out. It doesn't always happen, but it certainly worked out for Champlin. Yeah, no, and, you know, the – his owners, uh, Murray and Sherilyn House, they they paid fifty eight thousand for him uh, back when he was a yearling at Keeneland September, and he probably, I mean, obviously, uh, like I mentioned, his his dam was an outstanding two year old. She really couldn't have been more precocious. And uh, Ransom the Moon, he took a, a while to get along, but you have to assume uh, that there was a, a setback or two. Uh, before he made that first lifetime start. But, uh, you know, works-wise, he's had a pretty steady work tab um, starting in May at Keeneland uh, last year all the way through until June, and then it stopped. So you have to assume as he was preparing for his first lifetime start last June and uh, something happened to him and uh, put him on the shelf for, uh, what, six, seven months, and he he resumed at Keeneland, and so far uh, his his, uh, preparation's been uninterrupted this time. All right, he's, uh, it's weird timing because obviously if they were somehow running when it was Churchill, they'd probably be running for about twice the purse money that they're running for right now at Fairgrounds. But uh, obviously Champlin is ready to go, 
and he's fit and he's healthy, which is probably the biggest issue for him thus far in his short, young career. And he is the heavy favorite as they load into the starting gate for the eighth race on this Thursday card at Fairgrounds. John Dooley on the call. They're in the gate. They're off in sprinting. Cash Fever broke sharp. There's Champlin with his bid for Mitchell Morrill to take the front. Right there toward the inside is Mesa Spirit with an early move. It's Champlin. So Champlin leads Mesa Spirit, who's looking to just force the issue. Champlin out in front. Leads Mesa Spirit. Cash Fever in the black cap. Caliber Choa Kid starts to gain from fourth. Right with that is Zip and Gigi in the tarpaulin blue. It's Champlin that leads the way past the half mile. Macho 45 with the rail. Five from the front at the three and a half. Camp Daddy's wide and Voyon trails. The quarter for Champlin, who won here on debut. 21.78 seconds with Mitchell Morrill. Leading at three to five is Champlin. Champlin to track down from Cash Fever. Mesa Spirit right there and Zip and Gigi coming three wide. On the far outside is Camp Daddy. Calabachoa Kid looks the game between horses. Champlin spins them in. Then to the inside is Macho 45. Oyan was last. Is Champlin. Half mile in 45.38 seconds. Coming down to the final furlong. Champlin leads. Mesa Spirit. Cash Fever's one pace between horses. Zip and Gigi needs the lift. It's Champlin. Champlin leads past the 16th for Mitchell Murrell and Champlin has raced away from Mesa Spirit. It's Champlin. And Champlin is two for two. B makes the spirit by three. Zip and Gigi third. Cash Fever finished fourth at 110.34. Unofficially five, three, seven, six in the eighth race at Fairgrounds. Number five, Champlin breaks on top, shakes away through the first furlong and goes on to win impressively in his second career start. Yeah, I actually don't think he was as good today as he was in his debut. And, uh, you know, his time was a little bit slower uh, make what you want of that, but uh, he certainly is a nice horse. And you know, to, to break your maiden easily and then face really kind of a decent group of winners um, in your second start and win, uh, just a thoroughly likable horse and uh, one to follow. But uh, yeah, three to five, uh, way too short to make it any kind of substantial wager on. All right, uh, that race still unofficial. We were going to take our final break. When we come back, we'll get you paid at fairgrounds and lead into our call-in show which is coming up just 15 minutes from now this is the first bet racing show on hrrn has your child swallowed your medicine your laundry detergent your nail polish remover call the poison helpline have you inhaled paint thinner glue pesticides call the poison helpline have a question about a dose a fume something your kid just drank call the poison helpline poisonings can happen at the home on the job or in the great outdoors call the poison helpline first for fast free advice from medical professionals call 1-800-222-1222 anytime anywhere one 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Parenting is hard. Technology can make it harder. The family media plan developed by the American Academy of Pediatrics helps make it easier. Go to healthychildren.org forward slash media plan to create the media plan that's right for your family. Whether you make a full plan or just choose a few parts that matter the most to your family, HealthyChildren.org forward slash media plan is an easy to use tool that will help your family set media priorities and create healthy digital habits in line with your family's values. You'll also get practical tips to help make the plan work. And you can come back to revise your plan as often as you need to, like at the beginning of each school year or during summer and holiday breaks. Raising kids in the age of screens is easier when you have a plan. 
go to healthychildren.org forward slash media plan and make your plan today. We gather together in communities across the nation to remember and honor, to celebrate and support, to light the night. Join us as we lift our lanterns high in order to move toward a world free of blood cancers. Join us as we light the night for a loved one. Join us. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Our mission is to cure leukemia, lymphoma, Hodgkin's disease, and myeloma. Our aim is to improve the quality of life of patients and their families. Join us. We are LLS, and when we walk, cancer runs. Join your community and help bring light to the darkness of cancer. Join us as we light the night. Find your local event at lightthenight.org. That's lightthenight.org. Hi, this is jockey Brian Hernandez. For me, there's no bigger thrill than crossing the finish line in front, and nobody captures the excitement of our sport like Horse Racing Radio Network. Each week, HRRN brings you exclusive talk shows, podcasts, and in-depth conversations with the biggest names in racing, jockeys, trainers, owners, and more. Plus, HRRN is committed to helping disabled riders through their support of the PDJF. So climb aboard a winner today by visiting horseracingradio.net. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Añejo is trying to run away with it right now. It's Añejo's in front. Dr. Ardito is making up some late ground. Same can be said for Whittington Park. Añejo made that big move, has a final furlong left to go. Whittington Park is catching this rival quickly. Añejo with a 16th to go, needs the line. Whittington Park with every stride. Whittington Park to the outside. Añejo looking for the line. Whittington Park in time. Whittington Park wins the Haynesfield over Añejo, then Dr. Ardito finished third. Final running time, 1 minute 39 and 4. Welcome back. Final segment on today's edition of the First Pet Racing Show. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich here to the top of the hour when the call-in show starts. Your hour, HRRN Nation, to call in, talk about whatever you'd like. James Scully joins me from 6 to 7 p.m. every Thursday night for the call-in show, and that starts about 10 minutes from now. That, of course, was the voice of Chris Griffin on the call of the Haynesfield Stakes this past Saturday at Aqueduct Whittington Park, one of the longer shots in the field. Bob running down Anejo, winning from well off the pace to get up and win by a half a length, covering the mile in 139-4. and four. A Good addition of the, of the Haynesfield. I would say... None of the horses that were running in the Haynes Field would have any chance of beating Haynes Field if he was uh, <laughs> running today and on his game. He was a special type of New York bred. Oh, yeah, no, he was unusual and uh, turned out to be a decent sire as well. I was sure uh, that you were going to select um, the honeybee for one of your uh, 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 lead-ins on the show. It was, it was uh, quite remarkable that a maiden – uh, called Levin, Lemon Muffin, trained by D. Wayne Lucas, won the Honeybee over the weekend at 28-1. to 1, Lucas uh, using uh, Keith Asmussen in the saddle, who's, who's been riding really well the last month. It looks like Wayne's got another one that he can point, can point to the Kentucky Oaks. Yeah, maybe taking the same road that uh, he did just a few years ago, going from uh, Oaklawn to Kentucky uh, with the Kentucky Oaks. We'll see if uh, how that uh, now no longer maiden one-time winner does 
when she shows up next. Uh, Bob, we owe some prices for the eighth race at Fairgrounds where we saw an impressive run from a big favorite, number five, Champlin, a four-year-old Gray Aron gelding by Ransom the Moon out of the Pure Prize Mare Now I Know, owned by Murray House and Sherry Lynn House, trained by Greg Foley, jockey Mitchell Merle. Yeah, better a short price than a long face, Bob. Champlin paid three twenty to win. I hate, I hate that saying. I hate oh, I like it. that one. I like that. I like a long face. Okay. All right. Well, I'll never use it again on the show, Bob. Okay. Okay. But anyways, Champlin paid more to place in the show. <laughs> three twenty to win. Three forty to place. Two eighty to show. Uh, Mesa Spirit picked up the uh, pieces for uh, Ben Curtis and Sturgis Ducoin. Paid thirteen sixty to place, six eighty to show, and Zippin Gigi paid three forty to show. The one dollar exact of five three nineteen thirty. The fifty cent try five three seven forty seven sixty, and the ten cent super five three seven six five hundred twenty one dollars and thirty cents. All right, uh, we are going to have a fun edition of the Weekend Stakes Preview tomorrow night, Bob. As you mentioned, we have got 12 graded stakes on the docket, which is not something that we can do uh, every weekend around the country. I mean, there, there are some weeks of the year where we're struggling to actually get enough stakes to talk about. We're at the opposite end of that right now where we actually had more than enough just graded stakes to talk about and there are so many graded stakes that we're actually not going to be talking about the john battaglia memorial which is an important race whether or not you think that this year's kentucky derby winner is coming out of the john battaglia memorial and i happen to think that's not going to be the case um it is a points qualifier on the road to the kentucky derby the winner gets 20 points and obviously, it's a big stepping stone toward the Jeff Ruby Stakes, which uh, is a major points qualifier on the road to the Kentucky Derby. And we've seen over the years horses coming out of the Jeff Ruby Stakes that have done very well in Kentucky. Well, I mean, I believe it was it called the Jim Beam or the Jeff Ruby when Animal Kingdom parlayed success in that race into the into a like about a twenty-three to one Kentucky Derby win. I don't know. It could have been the galleryfurniture.com. Yeah, yeah, there's the gallery. Year. And, of course, for, <laughs> forever it was known as the Spiral before it was any of right. any of these sponsor-named races. But uh, you're right, Animal Kingdom and obviously Rich Strike took that oh, path yeah. a few years ago and uh, turned out to be pretty good on the first Saturday in May. Um, you know, so who knows? Uh, it, like I said, it's not a – the, the John Battaglia Memorial, to me, is a very evenly matched the, the Battaglia Memorial and the Gotham, I took peeks at them thus far, and it looks like there's seven different horses in each race that have a chance. I mean, really, really good handicapping puzzles. Uh, as far as field strength goes, I don't think either of them matches up to what we get in the Fountain of Youth on Saturday at Gulfstream Park, one of eight graded stakes on the Saturday card at Gulfstream and the Fountain of Youth. I mean, you've got uh, graded stakes winners in Dornock and Locked who are uh, in the race. You've got some up-and-comers in there as well. Um, you know, horses that ran really big numbers in maiden races that are uh, trying their hands against winners for the first time. Uh, I think it's a phenomenal field. And then on the other side of the country, we have to wait till Sunday, but we get to see what a lot of people think is the best three-year-old thus far in the nation, Nisos for Bob Baffert, running the grade two San Felipe. If you weren't with us earlier, the entire B 
big cap card, the Santa Anita handicap card that was supposed to be Saturday at Santa Anita has been postponed to Sunday. So if you have your PPs, uh, I, I think they didn't even put the PPs out till this morning when they made the announcement. But basically, the Saturday card's going to be run Sunday. The Sunday card's going to be run Monday. And they've got four graded stakes on Saturday at Santa Anita, including the San Felipe, which is a points qualifier on the road to the Derby. But since three of the five runners are trained by Bob Baffert, who knows how many points are going to be doled out that day? Yeah, I wanted to ask you a question. In the Since 2024 started, what uh, three-year-old Colt, uh, who's Kentucky Derby eligible, has impressed you the most in these handful of uh, significant preps we've seen so far? Well, I think Sierra. I think both Sierra Leone and Forever Young won their most recent starts without loving the surface that they were running on. Uh, I think they did it on pure guts. I think they're both good, and I'm I'm really intrigued to see what Locked and Dornuck do uh, in the Fountain of Youth. I, I think Locked is really good. I don't know what happened to him. Supposedly, he had a little bit of an illness and he missed a work. Who knows? Who knows how much of that is accurate, but uh, I'm interested to see what those two do in the Fountain of Youth. It's going to be a really, really fun weekend. Look forward to talking about all those races tomorrow with you, Bob, on the Weekend Stakes Preview. That's going to wrap it up on the First Bet Racing Show this afternoon. For our producer, Lee Delapina, my co-host, Bob Nastanovich, I'm Bobby Newman. Thank you so much for joining us. Reminder, coming up next is the call-in show. The number to get in, 888-966-4776. That's 888-966-HRRN. James Scully and I on the call-in show starts three minutes from now.